going on? It is the Ethos Clippers podcast. As Eminem likes to say, we're back again. Yes, we're back. Tell a friend. Yes, we're back. Wish we're back. Yes, we're back. I don't know if those are the actual lyrics, but hey, we are back. Myself, Brandon Marcus, at BD Marcus on Twitter, and Matt Mattawarren, at Matt Mattawarren on Twitter slash X, whatever you want to call it. Matt, how are you, my friend? Sports ethos, Clipper Nation, Brandon Marcus. How the heck are you? It's me, Matt Mattawarren, initials, Eminem. Yes, we're back. Back again. Yes. I got to tell you, man, your wit is incredible. That that was good. We were talking right before we came on about some other wit you had. But that was good to, to, to back and just completely just go off of what I said and do that. That was impressive. I'm glad that we have not recorded for a little while, and yet we still have the same chemistry. So I'm very proud of you, and I think we're off to a very good start. Do you think we should do a George Costanza sign-off now on a high note? See you guys later on the next episode, or should we keep going? Uh, I guess, I mean, we're one minute in, and I feel like there's a little bit that we need to discuss. Mm. It's been a while. I think the people really want to hear from us and get our reaction to the schedule release as the Clippers schedule release dropped about seven hours ago. And of course this James Harden saga continues, obviously even heard from us in a while. Um, a couple of reasons. Number one, we wanted a break. Um, number two, there was nothing going on. And frankly, there are only so many times that you could go and talk about last season and how disappointing it was and how load management continues to hurt the Clippers and how the Clippers didn't take the regular season seriously. I mean, I, I got to give the boys at 213 Hoops credit because they continue to go the lob the jam pod. Also, you look at what other 213 Hoops podcasts are doing and it's uh, it's impressive. So I got to say, I'm impressed with all those that were continuing to uh, podcast um, our boy Adam Osland was continuing to podcast as well uh, but yeah we are we're back with a podcast that is relevant because I was tired of talking about last year and now we are back it's I guess this is a new season we can say um, not going to be as many breaks as we had in the last couple of months um, you should hear from us more regularly now so Matt I- I'm excited to do this um, I guess before we get into the actual schedule itself, because why waste any time, any other words that you'd like to uh, share with our listeners? I'd just like to echo what you say, 213 Hoops, the Lob Jam podcast. Uh, everybody in the Clippers community, all of Clipper Nation, everybody is keeping it going. You know, you and I have maybe not recorded for a while, but we've been active on Twitter and so have everybody who listens and participates and tweets to us and we tweet back and we love it. And, you know, it's been a, it's been a slow summer. Not much has happened uh, aside from the James Harden stuff that doesn't really involve the Clippers, but you know, a a little juxtapositionally involves the Clippers, but it's been a fun off season, just interacting with Clippers fans, watching what other Clippers pods and hosts and everybody's saying online. So it's been fun and I'm just happy to be back in the mix. Yes, indeed. And to give a proper shout out to Adam Oslin and Charles Mockler and the boys, it's the Clips and Dip podcast. So uh, I want to make sure that I let Will and Charles and Adam get their uh, their proper due for potting and getting through the nonsense that was the last couple of months. So shout out to those boys. And of course, to Lucas and Shap and Rob um, and those guys for getting through those pods. But we're back, and we are going to join those two fantastic podcasts, amongst others, and we're going to pod, man. Um, let's talk about the schedule. Uh, the first thing I think we need to talk about is um, the back-to-backs, because this is something that I feel like we continue to talk about every single year, and it is worth a big hallelujah that this is the final year that we need to worry about some of these back-to-backs and the matinee games because we are headed to the Intuit Dome after this season. So, so long to the Crypt, so long to Staples Center. This should be the last miserable season for the Clippers, but the way the NBA schedulers have treated the Clippers recently, who knows that they may continue to make it miserable for the Clippers because the first stat I'm going to bring out, I'm going to bring out several throughout this podcast, and I'm going to shout out every person that did put those stats out to give them proper credit, uh, goes to Tomer Azarli, our uh, friend of the pod. The Clippers will travel 50,670 miles this season. 
by far the most in the league. It is 3,600 more miles than the second place Nets. The Lakers will travel 7,000 miles less, which is ninth. And Denver is last with 33,726. Of course, the Clippers will travel more miles because they're on the West Coast. No doubt about that. But the Clippers are in the same place as the Lakers. 7,000 more miles than the Lakers. The schedule gods continue to hurt the Clippers. Any words you'd like to share about the mileage that's going to be racked up and the frequent flyer miles that the Clippers are going to have on their cards? I mean, look, if if the referees and the NBA no longer call out outrageous travels, Clipper Nation will. Because that, that's ridiculous. It's 6,000 more than the Nets, 7,000 more than the Lakers, and I'm sure it goes on and on from there. The back-to-backs, you mentioned them, 15 this year, the same the same the Clippers had last year. And you're right, on the following season, that will go down the matinees because we'll be in the into it zone. But that's something that you and I will talk about on the 2024 2025 preview cast. This is for 2023 24, and that is a lot of back to backs. I'm looking at the schedule right now, and some of them are kind of brutal, including the first one. We don't have to go into the specifics of the schedule just yet, but boy, oh boy, is that a lot of travel for the boys. Yeah, it's brutal. And uh, 3,600 more than the second place Nets. That is a lot of miles. And you well, just. 3,000, but still. Yeah, you said 6,000, I think. But I just. Just 3,600. Still a lot, you know? Um, it, it's not great. And I'm going to bring out these other ones. The Clippers have the most instances of three games in four days. ESPN put that uh, stat out today on their NBA Today. The Clippers have 25 three games in four day stretches. The Nuggets, of course, have 16. That's the fewest in the NBA. So the Nuggets continue to get treated very well with the least mileage and the fewest three games in four day stretches. And here's the issue with this 25 three games in four days. That means that you're going to get back-to-backs in that, obviously. And it means that you're going to get Kawhi and PG sitting. And there's been a lot of talk about the Clippers taking the regular season seriously and getting wins during the regular season so you don't end up in that four, five, six spot. Here's the deal. If you're going to have Kawhi and PG sitting on back-to-backs, which most likely is going to happen, then having 25 three games and four-day stretches you're already locking in a bunch of losses, I feel like. The the quest to finish as the one or two seed, I feel like is near impossible just with this schedule being released. Am I crazy or do you agree? You're not crazy, and it, it begs the question, how in the world then, if if all the craziness subsides, all the stars align for a James Harden trade, then how can we possibly trade depth if... We have so many back-to-backs, 25 three-and-fours. Mm-hmm. Now you're you're trading, let's just, for example, Norm uh, Sr. and whoever else is on, Covington, whoever else is on the table, you're getting back one player, then you got to fill those spots. Then you're almost guaranteeing a loss if if, if those players um, are gone and Harden comes in, but then Kawhi, PG, pick your poison, is out for any of those games. It really puts the Clippers in a conundrum because... It makes that move hard. Not to say that Harden's the best move in the world, and we'll get into that. Mm-hmm. But it certainly raises a lot of questions as far as the Clippers keeping perceived depth and the Clippers making moves. So it's 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 a tough one. And listen, the Russell Westbrook move makes even more sense now that you've seen the schedule. Because if there's somebody that you're going to see play a bunch and not sit those back-to-backs and be able to carry you in a single regular season game, it's Russell Westbrook. I mean, of course, we'll talk about James Harden, but you look at the guys that are currently on this roster, and who has the juice to lead you to a win in the fourth game, or the third game in four days? It's it's Russell Westbrook. I mean, because you have PG and Kawhi that'll be sitting on back-to-backs, and you need someone that's going to bring that, and you've got Norm Powell, and you've got Russell Westbrook. and But apart from that, there's not a whole ton of guys that can really lead you in a game. And so I think the Westbrook addition makes a lot of sense. Can you imagine what this team would look like if they didn't bring Russell Westbrook back? Like, who would be the guy that could help you win a game in these back-to-back stretches when you don't have Paul George and Kawhi? Can, can, I mean, it's not really anybody on this roster, right? No, I mean, you could, you could say T-Man, but... 
that's those yeah. are few and far between. Those are the 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 one in a million Utah games. You know, we got to call ourselves out. Boy, Westbrook looks like an amazing acquisition and a great. I mean, just a great re-signing, especially on that contract. So yeah, wow, so so nice to have uh, Westby on this team. And I do want to talk about speaking of Westby. If you want to talk about the uh, NBA Cup tournament at all, I've got some notes. Oh, okay, okay, we'll get to that. Um, so let's let's see another little stat that came out, and it's from our friend Andrew Greif, another friend of the podcast. We talked about the Intuit Dome and the the Staples Center and how the Clippers at the Crypt have a lot of matinee games. Well, that continues this season. Ten matinee home games this season. That is a quarter of their home schedule, according to Andrew Greif. And he is correct because 10 of the 41, that is a quarter. That means noon, 12.30, 1 p.m. starts. And the Clippers fared about 500, I believe, in those last year. Here we are again, more matinee games. And it just is going to really kick the urgency into the butts of these guys to get at it early. And it's another thing. You look at the schedule. And it certainly seems like more schedule losses, three games in four days, five games in seven days, which we'll talk about. It just feels like there's so many schedule losses out there. And listen, good teams don't lose many of those schedule losses, but this Clippers team has so many holes. I feel like right now and guy sitting that stuff like this, it, it plays a big role and it hurts you. So 10 matinee games, curious your thoughts on that. I am not a fan of the Clippers having matinee games at all. And 10, which you said is a quarter, is just an absurd amount. I mean, no matter the team, no matter the, the superstars, matinee games are harder than night games. That's just that's just the way it is. They're, they're obviously earlier. You don't have as much prep time. You don't have as much sleep from the night before. And you're right. The Clippers are a team that is a bit older, especially as, as far as the, well, not just altogether. It's just a bit older. And I, I, I don't know if I want to say schedule losses per se, because I would have the, have it in front of me. And I, I, I see here, I'm just going to point out a few Philly's one of them. That's going to be a tough one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Milwaukee's one of them. This is all later in March, but Memphis before jaw comes back is one of them. So it's not, it's not going to be easy. I'm not very happy about it. And it's going to take the Clippers, speaking of the schedule, and I I saw you tweet about this. You'll believe it when you see it, but it's going to take the Clippers taking their relatively easy or perceived easy schedule to start very seriously, at least to bolster that record like we hoped they would last year, but didn't come to fruition. Yeah, and I think that's really going to be the theme of this season is the Clippers taking the regular season seriously and winning games that, frankly, should be won. Because how many times last year did we see the Clippers lose games that should have been won, they weren't a back-to-back, they were a situation that lined up perfectly, and then you put more pressure on yourself to win those second game of a back-to-back, to win that fifth game in seven days. If you take care of business and you act serious in the games that you should win – then you can lose that fifth game in seven days against a tough opponent. Like, it gives you a little more wiggle room. So that was my biggest issue with the Clippers last year is there were so many games it felt like that should have been easy wins that weren't. And that's going to be, I think, a, that's going to need to be a focus this season is winning games where you're a big favorite, where you're eight to 12-point favorite. Like, you need to win those games as opposed to losing those and putting more pressure on yourself later on. And to even boil it down to a more a more micro standpoint, it's taking every quarter seriously because we saw when the Clippers would come out on fire mm-hmm. and then go into the half and the third quarter would happen and, we, and the Clippers would fall apart in that game that they were favored in and even leading, they would lose. Or, so it's really going to take focus. The season starts off, you know, at home against Portland, which will be we'll see if we'll see if Dame is there or not. I know Bobby Marks. Uh, on ESPN said that was actually the most interesting game of opening week. So that's, that's, that's fun of him to say, to see if Dame is there or not, but then it's Utah, San Antonio with Wembenyama. There'll be fanfare, of course, Orlando, those first four games. I mean, you've got to take care of business 
against the Blazers, the Jazz, the Spurs, and the Magic. You just have to. Yeah. So the Clippers, by the way, have the most back-to-backs in the NBA, 15. Um, several other teams are tied with them in that. Um, and once again, not surprising because the Clippers just happen to have a lot of back-to-backs, it seems like, every year. And the final note that I want to share on this one before we get into the actual schedule, and I have not looked at the schedule yet. I thought it would be fun if I look through it as we go. Um, a great tweet from Law Murray of The Athletic, at Law Murray, the NU on Twitter. The Clippers' final season at the Crypt features six separate road trips that feature East Coast or East opponents. Tied for this most such road trip the Clippers have had to make since the 78-79 season. Six separate road trips that feature East teams. It's the most the Clippers have had to make since the 78-79 season, the last year before the NBA made teams play only two interconference games a season. So, that's tough. And the Clippers just do not get many breaks, it seems like. And this is going to be difficult, because we know winning on the road is hard. Having to do it six separate times, um, it's not great. And once again, it's going to put more importance on the Clippers winning games that are at home, even though they're 12, 12, 30, if they're against a bad team, you take care of business, Matt. And if you're against a good team. Yeah. You got to take care of business because yeah, that's a good point because I feel like last year up. we saw that with the Clippers just against a good teams. They just didn't do anything. And, and exactly. so the Clippers need to start winning those games against good teams. Good point. Yeah. So, and thank you. I, I, I just think, Against against the bad teams, you have 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 to take care of business. But against the good teams, you can't. It's it's not as if taking your foot off the gas, but take those even more seriously if you have to. But these games have to be won, and and that's the way that's the way a championship team is built. I believe is, you know, you take care of business against the the bad teams, but you really have to focus in and and see what you can do. And I know Ty Lee is going to be great about adjustments. He always is, but the players have to be there for all four quarters. I mean, this is going to be the season of four quarters. I'm, I'm, I'm looking for the Clippers to have 48 minutes of excellence or at least focus and care every, every game in and out. I don't care if it's a back to back. I don't care if it's a three on four in East coast road trip. If you really want to talk about taking the regular season seriously, it's taking the regular season seriously. And that's game in game out. All right, let's get into the schedule. Um, This is the first time I am looking at it. The only thing that I know is that the Clippers open up against Portland. And so we crank that open. The Clippers against the Blazers immediately, right out of the gate, has to be a win. Absolutely has to be a win. Um, Whether Damian Lillard is there, whether he is not, you're at home against a team that is pretty young. Shaden Sharp is a good player. Of course, they've got Scoot. Um, you got Lillard, you got Nurk. They're not good enough compared to the Clippers. If Kawhi and PG are healthy, and once again, I think it's worth mentioning that because um, I saw Justin Wilson, friend of the pod, LA Clippers film, tweet out yes, uh, earlier today, and that's the tweet that I, you're referring that I responded to about taking um, the first 10, 11 games as a lot of wins there. Um, we saw this last year where we were saying first 11 games should be 9-2. and two. The Clippers have a great opening schedule. Well, here we go. The Clippers open up against Portland. It absolutely has to be a win, Matt. It's a must win against Portland. We're at home. And I whether Dame's there or not, you know, with Shaden Sharp, with Scoot, with Anthony Simons, with Nurk, with Jeremy Grant, I mean, Matisse Thibel, look, you go down the line, they have a pretty good team, but it's not Kawhi, it's not PG, and... I do think this is going to be one of those games where I what, I what I would like to see, quite honestly, and I'll be watching for this, I'd like to see Zoo established early and often in this game against Portland because I don't think I don't think Nurk can stick with him. I don't think he has the speed, I don't think he has the skill. And I would I would like to see, of course, you know, the superstars go off. I would like to see Westbrook do his thing, but I'm going to call this one right now. I'm going to call this one a zoo game against Portland, and I can't wait to see it. And I, they should win, I, and it, it really shouldn't even be close. Three games against San Antonio in the first 13. That is bonkers. 
Um, so if San Antonio, of course, with Wemby is as bad as some teams expect them to be, more wins. And so the first 13 games is what I just looked at while you were talking. One back-to-back. And that one back-to-back is Orlando at home and then at the Lakers. The Lakers, of course, have been a team the Clippers have dominated. But the second game of a back-to-back, that's a little bit tougher. But that means that you absolutely need to win that Orlando game. So that's the first back-to-back we get. And that is exactly what we were discussing earlier. An example of a game that you cannot play with your food. You need to win a game against Orlando. So the Clippers go Portland at Utah versus San Antonio versus Orlando. And then a four-game trip at the Lakers, at the Knicks, at the Nets, at Dallas, back home versus Memphis, at Denver versus Houston, and then at San Antonio twice in three days. So a pretty good opening schedule. I mean, you look at Denver, most likely going to be a loss. But you look at the rest of that schedule, man, and there are no real guarantee losses. Utah will be tough, but it's not on a back-to-back, which is something you don't see very often. Normally, you see Utah or Denver on a back-to-back, and that's not the case with either the Utah trip or the Denver trip early in the season. So I got to tell you, man, the first 13 games look really good to me. And once again, we're in that spot where before you take on um, New Orleans, then Dallas. I mean, you can add even add those two teams into this because they're two home games against teams that the Clippers should be better than. So the first 15 games before you face Denver at home and then face Sacramento and Golden State on the road, I would say the Clippers very easily could go 11 and four, and that's going to be critical. Is a good start. 11 and four would be amazing, and they they should take care of business of all of those teams. I was looking at San Antonio's schedule while you're talking. So none of those are back-to-backs, the three that were that the Clips are playing against them. Mm-hmm. So their Wemby probably won't sit, but even if he doesn't sit, they're not going to be that great. So all of those games, you know, Denver I wouldn't call it a guaranteed loss, but that is going to be one of the toughest games that we have in the opening stretch. New York's going to be tough, Brooklyn like you said. So 11 and 4 is well within reach. And I think if there's focus and if there's health and if there's a commitment to winning early, because they've got to look at the end of the schedule. We're only in October and November. Wait till you get mm-hmm. to April and March. It 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 it's not it's not that easy. So stacking up these wins early, like we're we've like we said last year, like we're gonna be saying in this podcast, and like we're going to be saying all offseason through October, through November, it is very important because, yeah, the, the schedule's, I don't want to say backloaded, but the beginning of the schedule does lend itself for the Clippers to at least get a little cushion if they can. But they got to take the whole thing seriously, like we said. Yeah, nothing really stands out um, in the first part in 20. 20- Actually, in the entire year of 2023, before you flip to 2024, nothing really stands out as that awful. I mean, you have, in terms of road trips, the one I mentioned early on with New York, Brooklyn, Dallas, I mean, that's a three-game trip. And then you got another three-game trip a little bit later, Indiana, Dallas, and OKC in the middle of December. Apart from that, schedule's pretty generous. I mean, it's really not that bad um, to start. And, I mean, you've got those three games, of course, in four days that will happen when you have back-to-backs. An example of that is at Indiana, at Dallas, at OKC, and you're going to see guys sit. Um, but just a quick note on that back-to-back with Orlando and the Lakers early on, um, PG was a guy that didn't sit a ton of back-to-backs when he was healthy. I'll be curious to see what happens with him. But Kawhi most likely will sit. And if he does, I'd like to see him sit that Orlando game. I know it's a game that I just mentioned you need to win. But when you look at the schedule – and what's important at the end of the year, it's tiebreakers. And with tiebreakers, it, the Lakers is going to be a big one. So I think you need to win that game against the Lakers. Um, and the worst thing you can do is sit them against Orlando, play them against the Lakers, and lose both those games. So I'd love to see that. I'd love to see Ty Lue, Sorry, no, I'd love to see Ty Lue just come out the gate and play Kawhi and PG in both. Just say, look, yeah, yes, yes, they are going to sit back to backs, but guess what? Not now. Not yeah. the beginning of the season and not against the Lakers. I don't see that. I mean, if it's going to be, if they're going to sit back God, to back, I would backs, love that though. Wouldn't I you know. love that? I would. I would. But if, if they're going to sit back to backs, it's going to be early in the season. 
Um, yeah, I mean, the schedule, like you said, it, it really is backloaded. And the Grammy trip for the Clippers um, at Toronto, at Boston, Cleveland, Washington, Detroit, Miami, Atlanta, those are the road games. And you've got the three games in four days with Toronto, Boston, Cleveland. Boston's the second game of back-to-back. That certainly looks like um, a game that you should be probably most likely going to be losing. At Detroit, at Miami, Atlanta. And Atlanta's not great. So you very easily could win two of three there. You could win that Washington game. You can win the Cleveland game. So the Grammy trip shouldn't even be that brutal for you. I mean, you can easily go four and three, and that's a successful road trip before you return home to take on New Orleans, Detroit, and Minnesota. So, yes, I know there are a lot of three games in four days, but it's not like you're facing horrendous opponents during these three games in four days. Uh, I mean, you look earlier on, you got Lakers, Phoenix, Toronto in a three games in four days. Toronto, who knows if they're going to be good. Phoenix, of course, that'll probably be a loss. But the Laker games are going to be really important, man. You see it's the second game of back-to-back um, early on in the season. It's the first game of back-to-back with uh, Phoenix to start January. So those Laker games are going to be very important. And you look at it's even one right before the road trip, the Grammy road trip. The Clippers face the Lakers. I think that's one of the biggest things that has stood out to me early on is the importance of the Laker games on the schedule. Um, curious your thoughts on that. I do think the Laker games are uber important. They they always are in our minds, but this time it actually makes sense as far as a record is concerned. A bone to pick with you. I don't know if Phoenix is probably a loss. I think it's potentially a loss. You know, it, of course, if, if, if people are sat, then that exacerbates the situation on that January 7th and 8th back-to-back. Yeah. So, yes, probably a loss if people sit. But I – you know, you know what I've said for – the better part of six months now. I don't fear the Phoenix Suns, and I don't even with Bradley Beal. I do sort of think that the February or the Grammy trip is going to be a problem because I'm just kind of assuming maybe Miami might have Damian Lillard by February 4th, and if, if they do, and that's an all-out yeah. brawl, and then there's Atlanta the next day on the 5th. So a lot of these could be, and then, you know, OKC with Chet, with Shea, with uh, Jalen, with every, everybody, you know, uh, Giddy going, and then with Memphis with Ja back uh, yeah. on the 23rd. So February is going to be a rough month. A lot of these back-to-backs, the Lakers-Phoenix one, if you want to say Phoenix is probably a loss because people sit, I get that. But uh, to your point, the Lakers wins are going to be very, very, very important, uh, especially in these back-to-backs, but especially within division. Toronto's not going to be great but they're going to be no slouch before playing boston on the 27th of january so like you said 2023 is no cakewalk because the nba is tough Mm -hmm. but boy once it gets into 2024 you gotta hope there's a cushion and then you gotta hope not only a cushion but a groove you don't want to you don't want to be like okay we did great in 2023 let's let the foot off the gas a little bit in 2024 no you kind of want to be accelerating i think throughout the entire season i mean i know i know denver kind of said nah we, we have Jokic we'll we'll forget about March but for the Clippers I think the momentum always has to be moving forward so even if there is a cushion we can't rest on our laurels at all yeah and 17 games in March is certainly not easy and how about the Clippers having to face Milwaukee twice on the second night of a back-to-back you've got March 3rd and 4th at Minnesota then at Milwaukee and then back home the ninth and the 10th versus Chicago versus Milwaukee. So those certainly look like losses um, and they shouldn't be. You'd like to see him win one of those games. I think that's one thing you'd like to see from this Clippers team is to win the hard games. Ones that you look at the schedule and say, that's going to be a loss. The Clippers actually win them. That'd be great to see, but schedule makers certainly not doing the Clippers favors when it comes to the Milwaukee Bucks having to face the Bucks twice on the second night of a back-to-back. That's a tough one. Let me ask you this. So with with Minnesota and Milwaukee, yeah, on March third and fourth, and then like you said, that and that's on the road. Chicago and Milwaukee on the ninth and tenth, and that's at home. Would you stagger? Let's say you are going to sit Kawhi. Would you stagger it to where you would have Kawhi play one game against Milwaukee because they're both on the back end of a back to back, and one so one on the front end and one on the back end for Kawhi playing, or would you just have him play? the perceived easier opponents in Minnesota and Chicago to sort of try to guarantee that win and then sit him against Milwaukee both times. Well, that goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the season. I mean, would you rather go and throw Kawhi and PG out 
in that first game before you take on the Lakers? Or would you rather have them healthy and play, be on the court for the second game of a back-to-back? I mean, you mentioned you'd like to see them play both games. That's obviously the ideal situation. But that's going to be the biggest thing the Clippers need to figure out this season is do you want to take that quote-unquote guaranteed win by firing your aces against the bad teams? Or do you want to save those aces and rely on your backups to get the job done against a team that you should win and then fire your aces in against the good teams and hope that you can get those wins? That's going to be the biggest question for these guys to answer. And I, I don't know if there's a right answer to it because you would like to trust your guys without Kawhi and PG to win games against teams like Orlando. But you don't know if that's going to happen because the Clippers last year without their top guys looked awful. I mean, they don't have those Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell type guys that can really carry you. I mean, certainly have Terrence Mann and Norman Powell and guys that we saw last year that can do something like that, but they didn't. And so that's going to be the million dollar question, Matt. And frankly, I don't have an answer for you because you look at the March one. I think that's more likely to see the clip, the Kawhi and PG going back-to-backs because you're so close to the end of the season as being in March as opposed to the start of the season where Kawhi is just coming back, obviously, from that ACL injury. And listen, here's the thing. We don't even know if Kawhi and PG are going to be healthy at that point. So we can discuss it all we want and theoretical about what we want to do and what we want to see. We don't even know if they're going to be healthy, Matt. That's the thing. I mean, that's a great point. We don't know if they're going to be healthy. Fortunately, I'm sure we're going to get information well beforehand about um, who's healthy, who's going to play, what the situation is. Of course, I'm being sarcastic, hmm. but um, I would love to see – I mean, it's it, of course, it's a pipe dream. I just want to see him come out the gate steaming, rolling, just ready to go. But March and April and – so so April – so did we, did, we, did we skip over anything or are we down to the end of the season? Because I think April is actually going to be so important – Looking at looking at the uh, there's two back to backs in April. There's Sacramento, there's but there's, there's Denver and Utah. There's Phoenix twice, which I guess we always get. Oof. We can't be in this. They can't be in the situation it was last year where it's like playing or 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 playoffs. That's why that's why October. That's why March. That's why every everything in between is so important. Don't want to be in that same position we were last year. Where could we could it be six, five, four, or seven? Eight, nine, ten. Yeah, it, it's it's a bad spot. And April, there are some teams there that could be battling for a position as well. I mean, I know people are very high on Phoenix, but who knows? Cleveland's in there. Utah. What if they're fighting for a mm-hmm. for a spot uh, in the play-in? Sacramento. Uh, Sac- I mean, Sacramento. You know, they they were the three seed last year, for goodness sakes. And then yeah. Houston's in there, and they've got some expectations with their high draft picks and their their new and and Adoko in there. So you don't know. There's eight April games. I could see the Clippers losing six of them, and that it sh- certainly shows the importance of winning the games earlier in the season. And that was the issue last year: is the Clippers didn't win the games early in the season that they should have. How many times did we come on this podcast and say? You need to take the start of the season seriously so that you don't put as much pressure on Kawhi and PG at the end of the year, making them play a ton of minutes because they're games that you need to win. And guess what happened? The Clippers ended up putting a lot of pressure on Kawhi and PG towards the end of the season, and Kawhi ended up getting hurt. PG was hurt. I mean, that's the issue, man. You need to take care of business early because like we just said, you're playing 17 games in March. You know what's crazy about that? Do you remember last year how many games the Clippers had after the All-Star break? Uh, well, I know they had the most games be- before or before the All-Star break, so whatever it was afterwards was like was it 23? 21. 21. There you go. 21. Yeah. The Clippers have 29 games after the All-Star break this year. 29 games. They play 8 in April. They play 17 in March. That's 25. And then they get four after the All-Star break against OKC, Memphis, Sacramento, and the Lakers. Four very difficult games. The second half of the schedule is brutal. Not only in quantity, but the number of teams that you play that are good is not ideal. I mean, you've got some Minnesotas and Chicagos and Atlantas and Portlands in there. 
But man, there are some bad teams as I mean, some good teams as well. And it's not easy at all. I mean, the Clippers basically are playing three or four games a week for damn near the entire second half. And that's not easy. So the only the only thing I will say about that in a positive light and put a pin in this because we don't need to go any further on this topic because we can go all night. But I do believe the Clippers are going to be a very, very active trade deadline team. And with 29 games happening after the All-Star break, that is time for them to get new players, which I believe they will have acclimated and bolster a record that should be very good or we hope is going to be very good or at least that makes them headway into a non-playoff or, or excuse me, a non-play-in scenario. Because I do think, especially with the way the, the trade market or the non-trade market or free agency and everything, the way everything has gone down, mm-hmm. I think the Clippers are destined to be a trade deadline team. And with 29 games post-All-Star break, well, that that does lend some time for people to get acclimated. Get this. After the All-Star break, if you take away the week that the season kicks back up again, because obviously it starts back up on a Thursday, so that doesn't really lend credence to a three or four game week in terms of how difficult it is to get the three or four game week. The Clippers play a four game week in every single week, except for two, two different weeks. That is Monday or rather the Wednesday, the 20, uh, 28th against the Lakers Friday, March 1st versus Washington Sunday, March 3rd at Minnesota. So Lakers, Washington, Minnesota is one, three game week. Your other three game week, for the Los Angeles Clippers, and it's it's wild because you look and you say, all right, you got to take care of business, especially when you have two or three days off in between. March 20th at Portland, March 22nd at Portland, March 24th at home against Philly. So you look at those three-game weeks, and I got to tell you, man, though those three-game weeks are against some what should be easy opponents. That should be when you get those wins in those three-game weeks because the four-game weeks are even harder, obviously. They're going to have back-to-backs. That's so tough. But you heard it here. You heard it here first, folks. Trade or grab Clippers in fantasy basketball yep. after the All-Star break because that schedule is brutal for reality and awesome for fantasy. But that, yeah, I, I'm looking at it now at the grid. Oh, my goodness, that is tough. Yeah. You're right. Four, four, three, four, four. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's it's brutal. It's really brutal. And the Clippers, for a team that had 21 games after the All-Star break this last year, to come back and have as many as they do with 29 this year, that is a big difference. And that certainly means that you're going to get an easier part of the schedule early on. It won't have as many games and as many days. And that's when you need to take advantage. And it starts in the beginning of the season, obviously, when the Clippers do not have a back-to-back, apart from Orlando and the Lakers on the 31st and the 1st. They do not have another back-to-back until November 24th and November 25th against New Orleans and Dallas. So you have got to take advantage of your first 15 games. You just absolutely have to, man. Every single one of those is equally as important, whether it's Portland in the first game, it's the Lakers on the second half of a back-to-back after Orlando, it's Memphis without jaw, it's Denver, who most people are going to say, ah, loss, we always lose to Denver, they have our number. Well, maybe not. Take that very seriously. Take Houston seriously after that, two day, or three days later. San Antonio, all, all through 2023, and then all through 2024, I mean... Look, Miami on New Year's Day, if I was if I was looking for any game to buy tickets to, honestly, that might be the one. I think it'd be so fun to ring in the new year at Staples against Miami. And I would I, I would kind of cross my fingers that Dame was there because I'd like to see it, but I would cross my fingers that he isn't because I think that would make it much tougher on the clips. But just looking at this schedule, there there is no break, right? So yeah. there is no there is no lull. The only lull would be during what is the play-in tournament, or rather the in-season tournament. Um, You look right now. NBA Cup, yes. Yeah, you look right now and you see December 2nd versus Golden State and you see December 11th versus Portland. They're not going to have a nine-day break in between. That's not going to actually happen. Um, According to Justin Russo at Fly By Night, he does a tremendous job. Go ahead, subscribe to his Patreon. Um, December 6th and December 8th would be the games the Clippers would play if they do not make the knockout round. Um, 
So right now the Clippers have 80 game schedule. They need to get to 82. And so we'll see when those games actually get scheduled because of the knockout. But the Clippers, of course, have to face Denver um, as part of the tournament cup. And so go ahead. if you we, Let's get into that one because I think that is the last thing we really just need to discuss before Harden is uh, go ahead. Offer your thoughts on what we're going to see with the uh, in-season tournament. Well, I love the in-season tournament personally. I think it's so much fun uh, just to garner interest as far as the NBA is concerned before Christmas when the real season begins for uh, for regulars, for casual fans. But the group that the Clippers are in with Denver, the Pelicans, the Mavs, and the Rockets, it's just it's just all kind of fun against those teams. I mean, Denver, of course, like like I just said, they have our number, at least they have for the past couple of seasons. Do you remember that game last year where they were up about seventy six points after after the first quarter? Yep. But going but going against the Pels, let's see if they have let's see if they have Zion back. The Mavs with Kyrie and Luca, see if they can gel and you know the the pieces they put together with Grant Williams and then the Rockets with all their young guys. This seems like in the West. This seems like the most fun bracket to me, or grouping, I guess. The West B, I love it. So we've got on November 10th, we've got Clips versus Dallas. We've got Houston on the 17th, New Orleans on the 24th. I skipped over Denver. That's on the 14th, and there's no. That's it. There's only four. So I think the Clippers have a legitimate chance to to win this grouping. Um, I don't. I know they're at Dallas, I believe, but it, it, let's see. Whatever it is, the game against Dallas, I think we can definitely win. The game against Denver, I don't know how seriously Denver is going to be taking this tournament, and I don't know how seriously the Clippers are going to be taking this tournament. But that's a game we can win. Houston, we should win, and New Orleans, even with Zion. And I know New Orleans sort of gave us a lot of trouble, a lot of trouble at the beginning of last season. I do believe, if healthy, that's a game we should win as well. I kind of see the clip, the clips coming out of this this grouping, but in an overarching thing, I just think this is a really really fun little tournament to watch. In the sort of beginning of the season. Yeah, yeah, it, it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I, I think that having Denver in your group is very tough, and I think there are certainly some teams that you should be beating. But I mean, who knows? I mean, you when you have to face Luca, that's never easy, right? So. I don't know, man. I'm excited for it. But at the same time, like, does that mean you play more minutes for Kawhi and PG? Probably not. You know, it's I'll be curious to see how they manage the stars in those types of games and the importance they put into it, because I mean, Kawhi and PG already have a ton of money, you know. So, like, what really do they are? What really can they gain from it? That's the thing I'll be interested to watch. You know what I mean? Yeah, but with Kawhi and PG with. But then making enough money, isn't that kind of the rub, at least on Kawhi? Certainly he takes his own plane. He he comes to practice when he wants to. It, it, it This does or does not happen. I mean, what, what a what a galvanizing event for the team if if indeed they do take it seriously and they say, hey, look, Amir, coffee, hey, look, uh, look, Kobe, we're going to take this thing seriously because we want you guys to get paid. And guess what? This is... It may it may or may not be, but this is the closest we're going to get to a playoff atmosphere until after after April fourteenth. So let's let's go ahead and play this thing out. I mean, it's another it's just another thing to quote unquote take seriously that I think could possibly be beneficial for everyone everyone involved and at least fun. I mean, yeah, you know these guys get paid a, a ton of money, but you got to imagine they have fun playing ball, right? Especially if there's something on the line right there's competitive spirits that are going to come out so i do think it could benefit the clips even if they don't win like forget winning okay fine but if if they take it seriously and it sort of gets them playing as a team thinking in a in a win in a winning mentality as opposed to overthinking it and saying like well you know should we should be sitting guys this game this early because this tournament doesn't mean much or this you know he shouldn't be playing here this that the other I think it, it could be a, a great learning tool and a bonding experience and something that could really bring the team together and get some of the young guys' experience, especially if the Clippers are in it past round one. Just just, just have something on the line, right? Just something to play for instead of a, a regular game in December hey, listen, or November. Yeah, and to your point, I mean, maybe those types of games early in the season – 
provide a little more juice where the Clippers need it. Like maybe they need that kick in the ass and being as part of in season tournament, maybe that's the kick in the ass they need is not having to wait till March for a must win game because these games are going to count towards the regular season, you know? So you need to win these games and it has double importance. And so maybe that's the kick in the ass the Clippers need. So perhaps, perhaps that's what, what the Clippers finally will do is they'll win games in the first half of the season because of an in-season tournament. And you look at the Elam ending in the All-Star game, that I mean, it gave those guys juice, right? So maybe this is what gives the Clippers juice. Yeah, we'll take any juice we can get. I mean, especially this early in the season. And this is leading out of 2023 and into 2024, like we were saying, where the mm-hmm. schedule really gets daunting. And to have some experience like that and to have – just that camaraderie and the momentum and the desire to move forward and win. Okay, maybe we didn't win the NBA Cup, but we're going to win the real cup. So, you know, it. I, I think it could be very beneficial. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's do a couple minutes on James Harden. Uh, there's not a ton, frankly, that I want to say. Um, all I can tell you is that based on what I see with this schedule, the Clippers need that third guy. They do. I mean, if they're going to have guys that are going to be sitting out because of back-to-backs, and the Clippers have 15 back-to-backs this season, they've got 25, three games in four days, you need that guy that can be that third star. Russell Westbrook is not that guy that can be a star. He can certainly win you a couple games and provide some of that energy and be that vocal leader, but you need that third guy. And James Harden, it seems like that situation is going to get worse and worse and worse and so my biggest takeaway from the schedule when it comes to James Harden is the Clippers really need that third star whether it's James Harden whether it's calling up Chicago and getting DeRozan or Zach Levine they need that third guy Um, but man you look at James Harden and just what has happened it's ugly man it's really really ugly and it seems like it's going to be a situation where Josh Harris is either going to have to Fire the GM or fire the player. And and by fire, I mean trade. And I don't know what he's going to do. I really don't know what he's going to do. And the Clippers, it feels like, are still in the driver's seat. It feels like the J- James Harden's not going to come back. Why? I don't. The only thing I, I see from Daryl Morey is that he said that he wants to stay competitive. And you get rid of James Harden, you're not still competitive, man. I mean, Tobias Harris is fine. Embiid is good. Maxi's going to be very good. But apart from that, there's not a whole lot there. So I, I don't know if they can afford to train James Harden, but at the same time, I don't think James Harden wants to play there. So I don't know. I, I, I can't really offer much else on that. And there's a reason why we haven't done a podcast on this and rushed to do a podcast in the last couple of months um, because, frankly, nothing has really been happening because this continues to go back and forth. But what are your thoughts on the situation and uh, the Clippers' need for that third guy? Well, there's a few things, and I'll take umbrage the one thing you said. Hmm. You said Embiid is good. I think he's a little bit better than good. Oh, well, he's great. Yeah, I mean, he, he's awesome. There, there's no doubt. He's an all-star. He's an all-NBA type guy. I, I, I was just putting the groups of players that I can rely on, and I guess number one is Embiid, number two is Maxi, three is Tobias, and there's not a whole lot else there. Right. So, I mean, aside from that, so I've been talking nonstop, as I'm sure you have, just just, uh, texting back and forth or thinking about Harden. And it's like you're you're thinking about, oh, all this drama going on, him and Maury. And it always comes down to, well, why not? And that makes sense. But the not is if the Clippers have to give up anything of substance at this point. If it's going to be these draft picks, if it's going to be Terrence Mann, then I don't know that that I'm into it, especially with with the way it's playing out right now. The, like you said, the Clippers have have leverage, to be perfectly honest with you. They're, you don't need to make a move right now. Let's say James Harden goes, Maury makes a deal somewhere else. Okay. So we lost out on James Harden, who I do think would greatly benefit the Clippers this season. And we're only talking about this season, right? We want to win a chip. That's the that's the whole goal. But to gut the team, or to and by gut I mean just the future with with T Man, who's a little bit older than you might expect, like we always say. But some picks. It it's it's more confusing than it has ever been because I do want somebody who has the skills of James Harden. I just 
don't know if I want somebody that's going to cost as much as Daryl Morey apparently wants for James Harden. So all that being said, if Daryl Morey just says, ah, F it, give me, give me Mook, give me uh, Bob Kov and uh, Amir Coffey and some like, and as many second round picks as I can possibly get, then yes, absolutely. If he says, give me any one of your future first round picks and or T-man, then I'm really taking a step back, especially right now with the way things are going. I don't think there's any pressure on the Clippers to make a move in the immediate future on on James Harden, who I do think would be really good for the team, a setup man, but would not play any role in the future. And to, to cost that kind of equity would, would really really bother me and scare me all right so you bring up a good point and that is um what do the clippers bring up what do the clippers give up and it certainly feels like the 76ers don't have leverage in this situation when james harden's asking out and he says that basically he hates daryl morley morley and he's a liar um because this certainly has to do with the fact of harden taking Wait, less. Can, Go can ahead. you repeat that uh, i said that he hates daryl morley Yes, like he repeated it. Sorry. Yeah, anyway, yeah, bad yeah. joke. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, there you go. Hey, and I got to tell you, man, if you look at the Clippers and you've got Terrence Mann, and like you said, he's not as young as people think he is. I mean, I think he's 27. Um, this Clippers team needs some sort of energy, and Terrence Mann's that guy. And the question is, do you trade Terrence Mann knowing the situation right now where Philly doesn't have much leverage? And I got to tell you, man, I disagree. I think they trade him. I think if you can get James Harden, you can get that third guy. I don't trust Ty Lue to play Terrence Mann the number of minutes that he should be playing. And I just think that I, if you're going to trade away, the here's the thing. I don't trade away Terrence Mann if you're trading up, if you're trading two draft picks. For me, it's Mann, one draft pick at the most. And they got to take some guys you don't want. They got to take Marcus Morris. If Marcus Morris is not a part of that deal... Get rid of man or get rid of one of those picks. Because if they don't take guys that you don't want, then it doesn't make sense. Because remember, this is one year of James Harden you're trading for. It's very possible he just leaves your team after this season. Now, this is a guy that may want to stay. So it's possible you're trading for more years. But here's the thing. The Clippers may lose PG, Kawhi, and James Harden and be left with absolutely nothing and be in a complete rebuild. This is all unlikely, but you have to prepare for that situation if you're a GM, you know? You need to prepare for it. But here's the thing. The window is so small for this Clippers team. You trade away SGA. You and I have talked about this, and we said you just got to do it. You got to say F it, and you got to do it because you trade away SGA. You trade away all those picks to OKC and those pick swaps. So if I'm the Clippers and they ask for Terrence Mann and they ask for a draft pick, I'm saying yes because I think that James Harden certainly is a guy you're going to need during the regular season to get you that better seating, and he's someone that can help in the playoffs. And this team just continues to be hurt, but you need to take the risk that PG and Kawhi will finally stay healthy and you can have that third guy with them, and that's my take. And I appreciate it, but you're preparing for doomsday so soon. The doomsday scenarios get it. You lose PG, Kawhi, and Harden for nothing, which, like you said, is very, very unlikely. But you're you're contributing to that doomsday scenario, right? Like, I haven't seen Oppenheimer yet, I must be honest with you, but I'm sure there's something hmm. to where you give up scientists, right? You give up picks and T-Man in order for this bomb to drop. It's like, look, that's... So, so not only are you losing those three in this doomsday scenario, but now picks and one of your your best players, if not assets, which is so callous to say, is now is is out as well. When you're pretty much, as far as we know, bidding against yourself. Like if Daryl came to me to, or if I was the GM of the, if, if the Rockets came to the Clippers with that offer today, I'd be like no. What 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 other offer do you have, especially with with what's going on right now? It just seems like so much to give up with. Like, who else is going to 
to trade for James Harden. And and even if he and he said he may want to resign, but how much does he want to resign for? It's not like a Westbrook contract. He's going to want a lot of money. So yeah. I don't see Westbrook or uh, Harden playing for more than one year for the Clippers. Like I don't like I said, why not? But not if it costs too much. And I do think a draft pick and man, not not just two, one draft pick and man is too much in, in, in my mind. Well, your tune has certainly changed from the last time we recorded because we were both on the same page and we were saying that you got to do it. And uh, well, th- and that... also nothing has happened since the last time we recorded, right? Right. A lot, of, a lot has happened. Right. No, exactly. And that's what I was going to say is that we're seeing that this situation still is not solved. And so to your point, you're saying if this is still unsolved – then the longer it goes on, the lower your offer becomes. Because if they're not going to take your high offer, the, what, do you want to go even higher for a guy that doesn't want to be there? Probably not. So I understand where you're coming from, but here's the here's the way I look at it. I, I would assume that Norm Powell would be on the trade too. But here's the thing. Would you rather have Terrence Mann or would you rather have James Harden? In the vacuum, James Harden, yeah. Okay, so there you go. So do, do you care about the pick? in 2028 like do you care about it 2029 whatever year it might be 2020 2030 um, I don't know exactly which year it is but do you care about that pick knowing how badly the Clippers have messed up previously when they've had a draft pick certainly you can use that pick later on to acquire somebody else so it is very valuable but you look at Terrence Mann you said rather have James Harden so all you're doing is giving up another giving up a draft pick to get him let, let, let me let me amend that I'd rather have the idea of James Harden. Now, what James Harden I'm getting, I have no idea. I know exactly what Terrence Mann I'm getting. Yeah, no, for sure. But do you know that you're going to get Terrence Mann for 25 to 30 minutes a game? Well, that's a Ty Lue question. Exactly, man. So that's the thing is that there's so many questions, and I'd rather have James Harden knowing he's going to play the amount of minutes that he should than Terrence Mann. I don't care about the draft pick because this window is so damn small and you've already mortgaged your entire future to get Kawhi and PG who are two of the top 15 players in the NBA. Like you've already mortgaged your future. So you need to do what you can to win now. And Norm Powell is certainly a guy that is valuable on this team, no doubt. But if you're going to do Powell, Mann, Morris, and a first round pick, and you're going to give me back James Harden and PJ Tucker, PJ Tucker, of course, is over the hill but he's a guy that can give some veteran leadership to help out with Russell Westbrook and be that vocal leader. I'm going to take it, man. I'm at the point where I'm all in on trying to win this year. There are only Brandon, so many chances you have a window and this is one of the windows. But are we, are we getting the, are we getting the company to come fix the window because they can make it today, but only in a certain time frame? are we, are we getting them to come fix it with duct tape or if they can make it a week or two from now and they'll actually fix the window. Like Phil, uh, Philly may, may trade Harden for less. Like are we, are, they come fix the window with duct tape and we'll give you, we'll give you 7,000. We'll give you as much money as you want. Or in two weeks from now, come actually fix the window and we don't really have to pay you that much. Yeah, I get it. I get it. That's the question is that do, are there other teams involved in this and will he actually stay in Philadelphia? If your offer is low, that's a million dollar question. And frankly, we don't know the answer to that. We really don't. We right. don't know if Daryl Morey's willing to take that low ball offer. And I feel like he's a guy that won't. So and I probably don't... not with him beat in the house too. Like that, yep. that really, that really, really throws a wrench into everything because Embiid has to be made happy. Otherwise we may be talking about a back to back where the Clippers are playing the Knicks and uh, yep. what are they going to do against Embiid? 100%. And I think that even adds to what you're trying to say is that I think that's a counterpoint is that the Clippers probably won't be able to give up a very small amount to get Harden because if nothing really goes back that keeps the 76ers a contender, they got to worry about Joel Embiid leaving. So this is such a sticky situation. And frankly, we have no clue how it's going to play out because James Harden is such a wild card and Daryl Morey is such a wild GM and seems like he's going to stick to his gun. So I, I don't know who's going to blink first. And it's certainly something that we'll obviously be keeping track of over the next couple of months. It'll be fascinating to see what happens one way or the other. I, I, I'm not going to say I don't want Harden on the team because I do. It's just I am in a position right now, especially with all that's going on between him and Maury, which I do love the drama. But do, do I want to? You know, it's like a streaming service. Do I want to pay that much? I like I like that drama show, but do I want to pay the streaming service or can I just, you know, get somebody else's password? 
great, great analogy. Great analogy. And that is how we're going to end this pod. It's great to be back. You start the show with wit. You end the show with wit. Matt Matawarren on Twitter. Go ahead. Give him some more follows. He is as witty as could be. Great follow. Gives us that Clippers knowledge, of course, here on this Ethos Clippers podcast. I'm Brandon Marcus at BD Marcus. You can follow the Twitter X handle, whatever you want to call it, at Ethos Clippers. Of course, if you can rate and review the podcast, it always does help us. It is good to be back, Matt. It's great to be back, and I'm looking forward to more pause with you, dude. Back again. Back again. We are back. <laughs> Back again. All right, everybody. Appreciate you listening to us, listening to us sing. Of course, more Clippers stuff to come over the next couple of weeks. Stay tuned. Until next time, I'm Brandon. He's Matt. And go Clips. Go Clips. Go Clips.